Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to the first of hopefully many podcasts with The Growth Project. Um, I was thinking about doing an introductory episode, telling you a bit about myself and the aims that I have with this podcast, but I ended up deciding against it for a couple of reasons. First of all, quite frankly, I don't think there's quite enough to say to dedicate a whole episode to it. But more importantly, I thought it would be better to allow whoever listen, end up ends up listening to this to get to know me throughout the episodes in a sort of more progressive way and through the stories and experiences that I share. But I'm not going to keep my listeners completely in the dark. Uh, my name is Ali and I'm a first year law student at the University of Cambridge. I decided to start a podcast for a few reasons. Um, one good reason is some inspiration back from my friends. If you guys haven't checked out After Work Podcasts, please do check that out. It's on Spotify and Apple, Apple um, Podcasts too. But I also wanted to share my experiences through a podcast because I think I've gone on a bit of an unexpected journey in the, over the past few years. And I thought that sharing the experiences that I've had so far, but also sharing the experiences that I have to come, might be of benefit to people that are a bit younger than me, uh, looking for some motivation, I guess looking for some advice, but just generally just to share my experiences and and and, and just document my own journey to self-actualization, which we'll spend this whole episode talking about. But yeah, just document my own journey and make sure that I'm constantly self-assessing. Um, in terms of what to expect with this podcast, I don't want to restrict myself too much. And I want to have the freedom to talk about anything, to be honest. As you'll see, this episode will generally about motivation and sort of instilling the drive that you need to achieve your personal goals. But that will by no means be the substance of all my podcasts, or even most of them. I aim to talk about current affairs to increase my commercial awareness and maybe share that with others. Um, interesting topics that might come to my mind randomly and more generally the lessons that I'm learning on my own journey to self-actualization. With that being said, the question that I'll try to address in this first episode is, is self-actualization a destination or a journey? If you go ahead and search for the definition of self-actualization on Google, it will tell you that it means the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities considered as a drive or need present in everyone. And that seems simple enough, but I'm sure that you did not tune into this podcast to hear me read out a definition from Google. So I'm gonna to try to deconstruct this term, both in a theoretical sense, but also in a practical sense, with a view to how we can implement it in our lives and thought processes. So self-actualization is a psychological term that was first developed by Kurt Goldstein, a neurologist who lived in Nazi Germany uh, but was displaced because he was Jewish. He was educated in medicine, but came to study patients with schizophrenia and other psychological disorders. And for our purposes, the outcome of his study was the principle of self-actualization, which he defined as the driving force that ultimately determines the path of any individual. So following from this, we come into the territory of anyone who has studied GCSE or A-level psychology um, with some basic psychology. It was, it was a principle by Abraham Maslow, um, his hierarchy of needs and essentially he tries to create a classification system that reflects the universal needs of society and so this has the purpose of examining the process of human motivation so what motivates us and so he believes that what motivates us is to achieve our needs and so we have this pyramid of different needs and at the top is self-actualization the final and most significant human desire
And I think the fact that self-actualization is the highest stage might be interpreted as meaning that reaching your full potential is, well, should be our ultimate motivation. It should be what we're all working towards. And if we do reach that stage, it's sort of the pinnacle of our life because at that point we're at the top of the pyramid, we've got we've met all our needs and there isn't anything else to achieve, I guess. In fact, Maslow himself said, what a man can be, he must be. And I think the word must is important here because it connotes great significance to the level of desire we must refer to the realization of our potential with. Now, up until this point, this might sound like a lesson in psychology, but I promise that it isn't the case. My view is that Maslow's theory, while it is just a theory, can be put to practical use in our everyday lives. So using the idea of self-actualization, we can drive ourselves to doing the things that we need to do to meet our potential. Personally, when I think of the word potential, it automatically triggers traumatic memories from, from school, parents' evenings. All my teachers would almost unanimously hold that I was always messing about in class or I was talking too much. And the final sentence was, my actions meant that I was not meeting my potential. And obviously at the time, I would completely disregard their comments and proceed to try and trying to convince my parents that the teacher clearly had a personal vendetta against me. And in hindsight, I think I now realize how dangerous that mindset is. And of course, at times it wasn't as important. When I was very little in primary school, I don't think it was uh, very important. But as I, grew, as I grew older, it became more and more important that I was not meeting my potential. And I think someone telling you that you're not meeting your potential is something that's taken way too lightly. You hear it all the time in school, or at least the kind of school that I went to. But it's basically a nice way of telling people that they're failing. Because in my opinion, at least, if you aren't doing everything you can to achieve what's possible for you or what's waiting for you, then that is just failure, isn't it? Um, so let me conceptualize, let me conceptualize this for you. So if I put in front of you whatever it is that you dream of, whether that be a job, a place at university, maybe loads of money or a nice car, or whatever it is, no one would say no. I mean, why would you? But what no one realizes is that you wasting your time is literally no different to you saying no to your dream. And for what? Because you're too lazy or because you can't resist spending hours watching Netflix or you can't get out of bed in the morning. And I'm honestly, when, I'm, when I say these things, I am by no means excluded from this criticism. I mean, I am very much somebody who will waste time doing things that I like, maybe watching Netflix, playing FIFA, sleeping missing a lecture i mean that happens to everyone and i think the purpose of this is to motivate me as as much as it is to motivate whoever listens but like i said these reasons that i'm giving for not spending my time trying to achieve this potential are not good enough reasons for throwing away your chance to achieve what you want and it's sort of a one-way ticket to regret. It's the reason why some why people grow old and they think to themselves, oh, I regret not doing this. I regret wasting my time. And I think it's important that people make that realization as early as possible, that their time is very limited, especially in the age bracket that I am in and probably the people that, list, that will be listening to this are in. That age between sort of 15 to 21 is generally sort of the years that determine the rest of your life because you make very important decisions 
um, that shouldn't, be, in my opinion, shouldn't be in place. I mean, you shouldn't determine the rest of your life at such a young age, but that's something for another podcast. But ultimately, that's the case. You determine the rest of your life in those few years, and it can be detrimental to people who don't make that realization early on that time is really of the essence. Um, but another reason why it was wrong of me to completely ignore my teachers is because once you're finished with with compulsory education and finished with sixth form, there'll be nothing like a parent's evening or anything remotely like it. It immediately becomes your duty to self-assess and ask yourself questions and ask yourself questions like, where is it that I want to be in five or ten years time? Is the way that I'm spending my time furthering my development to reaching that position? And if the answer is no, which for many of us it will be, what should I be doing? So I urge you to take a few moments now to pause the podcast. Honestly, just pause the podcast and ask yourself those questions. Take a few minutes and think about where it is that you want to be in the future and whether what you're doing now is, is, is helping you get there. Now, what I've said can easily be misconstrued. It seems like I've made the point that you should spend every single minute of your day working towards your goals, whether that be studying for your degree, um, working in a full-time or part-time job or whatever it is, but that's not the case. In fact, I was recently having a conversation with some topic, with some, with some topics, with some friends about a similar topic. Um, the reality is that having wider hobbies, like playing sports, watching movies or anything really is healthy and it's actually beneficial for productivity and I'm not saying this because I think I know best or because I've tried it and I get super productive after playing football but this has been the subject of so much research so the Harvard Business Review posted an article online around a year and a half ago and it was titled why CEOs spend so much time on their hobbies and so the substance of this article is that it gives us examples of CEOs that have what they call serious leisure interests and they define that as uh, hobbies that individuals invest considerable time and effort into so an example of this that's given in the article is david solomon who is the ceo of goldman sachs and so david solomon who runs one of the world's largest investment banks likes to dj in his spare time and as absurd as it sounds it shows that even the busiest of people make time to have hobbies and the fact that you're trying to achieve a wider purpose or trying to achieve your goals doesn't mean that you can't have sort of wider interests. And so in this article, they proceeded to ask these CEOs why they had wider interests and if so, why they invested such time and effort into them. And so we find some common reasons like the fact that it gave them detachment from their work or that it strengthened their leadership skills. But for our purposes, a common answer was that these CEOs found that having a non-work passion allowed them to strive to be their best selves in unorthodox ways. Because, and that actually helped me think, because usually, even, even myself, when we think about self-actualization, we have very career and money-driven goals. We think, oh, my self-actualized self will be, for example, a barrister, he'll be earning loads of money, he'll have a nice house, a nice car, whatever it is. But... We never think about ourselves as in, 
more generally, as in what kind of interests will I have? Will I be reading? Will I be being playing sports? Will I still uh, support Man United? It's all of these things that sort of bigger than bigger than just what job you're working at, how much money you're earning, and what car you drive to work. Your fully self-actualized self might be very good at sport. They might enjoy reading, all while having those more common goals, like having a well-paid job, for example. And the more broader point that I'm trying to make here is that we're human beings and we're not robots. And it's impossible for us to dedicate every second working hard. And so maintaining some side hobbies that you invest a reasonable amount of time into can increase your productivity, but at the same time, be a part of your self-actualization process. So in this podcast, we've come to a point where I've deconstructed the term self-actualization and how it's a psychological term and what theory it came from. I've discussed the importance you should place on reaching your full potential, but I've also balanced this with the importance of maintaining interests outside of your work. But what relevance does this bear to our question? Is self-actualization a destination or a journey? Well, I've stressed the importance of ensuring that your actions are corresponding with your dreams and ambitions. And I'd like to think that our ultimate goal in working hard is to achieve our highest potential. I mean, what more could we ask for? But when we think of self-actualization, is this a destination or a journey? Because on the face of it, it seems like there's an end point that we can reach. And then once we've reached that point, we gain the ability to sit down, dust our hands and relax. But this is wrong. And here's a very good reason why. Something that many of us, including myself, never actually give thought to is that we don't actually know what our potential is. Think about it. Can you tell me right now what your potential is? Where is it that your abilities and hard work can take you? What's the end point? Nobody knows. You have no clue where your abilities and your hard work might take you. And so even though you might have dreams and personal aspirations, who's to say that your highest potential doesn't completely exceed those ambitions? But why is it important that we don't know our highest potential? I like to think there are two reasons. First of all, it very clearly shows that self-actualization cannot be a destination because if you don't know where you're going, then how will you know when you've arrived? You can't say to yourself, yes, my highest potential is to become, for instance, an investment banker, because once you achieve that, there'll be bigger and better goals to pursue. And so that, that self-actualization never stops. But secondly, what it shows us is that we should never stay stagnant. If we don't know what it is that we're, that we're, re- that we're, that we're striving to reach, then we have no opportunity to relax. Because how can you relax when there is more out there for you to conquer and achieve? I mean, a good example of this is Bill Gates. The thing that we all know Bill Gates for is the is, is co-founding Microsoft in 1975. And um, obviously Microsoft went on to become the, the largest computer software company in the world. And he was on the Forbes' richest list. He's been on the Forbes' richest man list every year since 1986. But what people don't actually know is that he left Microsoft all the way back in 2000, 2008. That's 12 years ago. In those 12 years, did Bill Gates just sit at home and think, you know what, I've got 60, I've got a million, it was a net worth of $58 million he had when he left Microsoft. I've got a net worth of $60 million. He literally did not have to do anything at that point. He could have literally just retired. But 
his net worth now is $107 billion because he's kept working since. And to be honest with you, if Bill Gates kept working when his net worth was almost $60 billion, then it appears that we all have a lot of work to do. For instance, people might, or people usually immediately become impressed when they hear that I'm a student here at Cambridge and I haven't even been here for that long. But the reality is that it doesn't mean much. I can be a student here and still not come close to achieving my full potential because I slack off and I think that this is the end and all the doors are open for me. But you see, while we have this concept of self-actualization, what isn't made clear is that this is constantly fluctuating. You aren't just born with this sort of potential that stays the same forever. Your potential increases and unfortunately it decreases with your actions. The fact that we don't know what we could possibly achieve means that we should never stop working. And, and, and therefore, my definite answer to our wider question is that self-actualization is a journey and a never-ending one at that. The main reason for this is because you don't know where that final endpoint is. Do you know why you don't know? Because it doesn't exist. You need to accept that there is no such thing as a point of self-actualization because your potential is completely and utterly in your hands. In light of this, does this mean that we should completely ditch the notion of self-actualization? No. We should constantly use the idea of our highest potential to self-assess. By reflecting on the things we do, the people we keep company, and the time we spend, we stand in a much better position to jump over those hurdles standing between us and the people we'd like to become in the future. Thank you for listening.